0: Well, hello, and welcome to the Jazz Focus, a podcast, and my name is John Clark. Happy to have you here. We're going to be focusing on a jazz trumpeter and a particular part of his career today. Roy Eldridge was one of the best-known swing trumpeters of the 1930s. He's often considered to be the link between Louis Armstrong and Dizzy Gillespie, the uh, New Orleans-style melodic jazz and the bebop-style harmonic jazz that came 20 years later. Uh, That's not really fair to any of the three of them, to be honest with you. Eldridge... um, very early on uh, worshiped Armstrong and started copying some of his solos, and we'll hear uh, some of his tribute to Louis Armstrong coming up, Uh, but he was in some ways advanced beyond Dizzy Gillespie in the 1930s. Uh, Gillespie learned quite a bit from him, and uh, they probably took quite a bit from each other over the years as well. So a little bit of history beforehand. Roy Eldridge was born in 1911 in Pittsburgh. He was The youngest child and uh, treated uh, accordingly. His uh, mother was quite musical. He learned music from her, also from his elder brother, Joe Eldridge. We'll be talking about him as part of uh, Eldridge's uh, first band that we're going to discuss coming up. So Roy started by playing piano and then a little bit of violin, and then he ended up uh, focusing on drums of all things. And later in his career, he would go back to drums occasionally. He played for Gene Krupa's band uh, in the 1940s, and occasionally he would go and spell the leader uh, playing drums because he liked to do that so much and then later in the 1970s when his uh, trumpet chops were giving him some problems he started playing more drums then as well but by the time he was 10 or 11 He had switched to first to bugle uh, As part of a drum and bugle corps And then to trumpet And became quite an accomplished trumpet player By the time he was a teenager He left school um, As many jazz players did back then To go on the road He toured the Midwest with a number of groups Including Speed Webb's band That he uh, ultimately took over a little bit later um, He uh, barnstormed all around the Midwest Ended up in New York In the very early 1930s uh, He played with Horace Henderson band. Horace was Fletcher Henderson's brother and in the early 30s was leading kind of the uh, a affiliate of the Fletcher-Henderson band. It was called the Fletcher-Henderson Stompers. They didn't make any recordings, but they would play some of the, uh, the overbookings that uh, Fletcher-Henderson would get for his much more popular group. And Roy Eldridge played with them for several years. He then went uh, with Elmer Snowden, the banjo player who led a band in Harlem at Smalls Paradise. Uh, he had played with that group for a little while before they made a film called Smash Yo' Baggage, which is the first... Uh, sight we have of uh, Roy Eldridge on film and the first hearing we have of him, it was his first recording. He uh, played in that band with uh, the former Ellington saxophonist and soon to be again Ellington saxophonist Otto Hardwick who gave him his nickname, Little Jazz. And Little Jazz was uh, Roy Eldridge forever after. So about the mid-30s, Roy Eldridge started getting uh, some more high-profile work. He joined the official Fletcher Henderson Band in the fall of 1935 and stayed with them for about a year, uh, first in New York and then moving to Chicago. And during that time, he made quite a few outside recording sessions. He recorded with Billie Holiday. He recorded with Gene Krupa's Combo, featuring Benny Goodman. He recorded with uh, the Delta Four, subbing for Wingy Manone, uh, and quite a few other groups as well, Teddy uh, Wilson, Used him on a number of dates with Billie Holiday and uh, without her as well. After uh, about a year with Fletcher Henderson, uh, Eldridge got the itch to lead his own band, and so uh, he took over uh, some of the personnel of the Henderson band and some other Chicago musicians. The Henderson band was playing at the Grand Terrace in Chicago at the time when Ellington, uh, or rather when Eldridge left, and he put together a band of about oh seven pieces that was a swing band that was looking forward a little bit to rhythm and blues and even a little bit to bebop later on in some of their arrangements but mostly it was a feature for his trumpet playing and occasional singing as well Uh, but it had some very fine players in it and we are going to listen to not the studio recordings that they made because they did several uh, very fine studio recordings we're going to listen to some uh, transcriptions and air checks that they did after they came back to New York they were playing at the Three Deuces in New York in 1937 and into 1930. Thirty-eight, And we're going to hear four tunes from that band. We're going to hear Heckler's Hop, which was one of his theme songs at the time. Mr. Ghost Goes to Town, which is a pretty common 1930s pop piece, but features some really fine uh, trumpet playing. Basin Street Blues, on which Eldridge kind of uh, tries to... Uh, summon the uh, i won't say the ghost because he was still alive but the uh, the spirit of Louis armstrong and his 1920s recording and then we're going to end up with a an air check not very well recorded unfortunately but very exciting musically of chinatown my chinatown which had been another armstrong feature so i'll tell you about the band when we get uh, to the other side of this set but those are the four tunes we're going to hear heckler's hop Mr. Ghost Goes to Town, The Basin Street Blues, and Chinatown, My Chinatown. And these are all going to feature the magnificent trumpet of Roy Eldridge. We have Roy Eldridge and his orchestra. That was a, a, uh, an eight-person group. Uh, the personnel on there, at least as far as we know, because this is a little bit unusual, there was a transcription and a live recording date uh, done at the Three Deuces. Uh, the band was Roy Eldridge on Trumpet. His brother Joe Eldridge on alto sax, and he took the solos that we heard, the alto sax solos. Joe Eldridge was uh, a very fine musician. Uh, Roy apparently always looked up to him. Uh, his dates were 1908 to 1952. He never really hit it big uh, the way Roy did. I guess he didn't have the personality, but he was an exciting alto soloist whose harmonic knowledge would seem pretty far in advance of most alto players. He was looking towards Charlie Parker, even in 1936-37, when these recordings were made, 37-38, I should say. Uh, He had played with McKinney's Cotton Pickers, also with Blanche Calloway's band. A little bit later, he went with uh, several different bands out on the West Coast. He ended up in Canada for a while, and then he came back to New York. Uh, But he uh, was a, a key member of this group. I think he was responsible for some of the arrangements as well. Also on alto sax and taking the clarinet solo on Chinatown my Chinatown was Scoops Carey. Scoops Carey was another fine alto player uh, who had been around all through the 1930s. He was primarily uh, a Chicago musician. In fact, most of these musicians were uh, based in Chicago. That's where Eldridge put the band together initially after he left the Henderson Band. um, And then they went to New York following that. So Scoops Carey had played most notably from 1940 to 46 with the Earl Hines Band, who was responsible for some very fine alto and clarinet solos during that period. Uh, After that, he left music and went to law school and got a real job, I suppose. Um, I am being facetious. Uh, He ended up uh, uh, being a public defender, I think, and I don't know if he ever really played again after that. He died fairly young. He lived from 1915 to 1970. On tenor sax, there was a fellow named Dave Young, a very fine player. He lived from 1912 to 1992. He again was from, uh, actually from Nashville, but he had done most of his professional playing in Chicago. Uh, he was with, uh, as I said, the Eldridge Band, and he played with a number of groups in Chicago during that period, and I think he stayed around there mostly as well. In the rhythm section, Teddy Cole was on piano. I don't know much about him. Uh, There's one anecdote uh, from his days with Eldridge. Uh, Apparently at some point the Eldridge Combo, that's an eight-piece band here, was up against the Benny Goodman Big Band, which was then at their height, and they had they were playing a battle of the bands, and nobody messed with Roy Eldridge, he could uh, wipe out a big band by himself, but apparently, uh, Teddy Cole got so upset by the experience, he left the band altogether, and uh, Eldridge said he had to hire someone named Gabby to play piano, and he said, I never even knew what Gabby's last name was, so there you go. On guitar, and we heard a very nice guitar solo uh, on, I think it was uh, Basin Street Blues, we heard John Collins. John Collins had a long career uh, as a guitar player. He uh, was primarily on the West Coast after the 1940s. He um, played with the Nat Cole Trio uh, after Irving Ashby left, and in fact, he was the uh, guitar player in the trio at the time of Nat Cole's death. And he stayed out on the West Coast, did a lot of session work, and made at least one album under his own name. We have uh, Truck Parham, who was a well-known Chicago bass player who ended up playing with a lot of the... New Orleans-style groups in Chicago later on with Art Hodes and with Franz Jackson and people like that. And then, speaking of New Orleans, we had on drums, Zudy Singleton, a great uh, traditional jazz drummer certainly, but someone who knew his way around a big band and a swing chart as well. Uh, a very underrated drummer uh, in the sense that he was not given credit for a lot of the things that he could do well and a lot of the different styles of music he played. He played show drums and. Chicago and some show bands in the 1920s. He even was on some of the first bebop recording dates with Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie, believe it or not. Um, So he was a very versatile uh, drummer, even though he's known as one of the two or three greatest New Orleans jazz drummers. So we started out with Heckler's Hop, which was a tune, I believe, by... uh, uh, Eldridge, and this was used uh, in, in at one point in his career as a theme song. We went from there to Mr. Ghost Goes to down, Town, as I said, a, a pretty standard pop tune from 1937. They were playing from the stock arrangement by Will Hudson um, for a full big band, but they cut down the parts to make it work for them, and it was a great feature for Eldridge. Then we did the Basin Street Blues, where uh, Eldridge was clearly channeling Louis Armstrong and the great recording that he made of that with his Savoy Ballroom 5 in the late 1920s. Then we finished up with a pretty poorly recorded uh, or captured air check from the Three Deuces of Chinatown My Chinatown, another Armstrong feature that featured a, uh, a very hectic series of solos by uh, alto saxist Joe Eldridge and also, as I said, Scoops carry on clarinet. And then went into halftime, kind of, for the trumpet solo, which was Uh, probably more associated with someone like Red Allen, the great New Orleans trumpet player Uh, he did a recording with the Mills Blue Rhythm Band of a tune called Ride Red Ride where he did that and he recorded that several times in his career as well Well, after about a year or so of playing with this group, Eldridge became quite disillusioned with the music business and actually left the business for a while. He went on to study radio repair for a short period and did that, but the call of music was too strong, and he came back and put together another group, a slightly bigger band that we're going to hear from a little bit later in the program. Actually, we're going to end up this podcast with uh, some air checks from the Arcadia Ballroom in Chicago, and that will be with a a 10 or 11-piece band that Eldridge was using in about 1939 or so. So following the dissolution of that band he went uh, back to work for other people. In 1941 he was uh, with Gene Krupa and as I said uh, he sometimes spelled Krupa on drums but he was really a big part of the show of that band in playing trumpet and vocals. Uh, He did uh, vocal duets with Anita O'Day although they were not best friends in that band apparently and he was heavily featured on those recordings. After uh, Doing that, he led some groups uh, in Chicago and different places. We're going to hear from one of them in just a second. Following that, he went with Artie Shaw, and uh, with the Shaw Band and the Krupa Band, he was one of the only, or possibly the only, African-American player in both of those white bands, which caused problems with travel, and caused him some uh, grief. He was a very sensitive individual, despite uh, the the forthrightness of his playing, might suggest otherwise, Uh, but he stayed with Shaw for quite a while and made uh, a number of fantastic recordings with him before leaving uh, in later 1944 to put his own traditional big band together. So we're going to hear right now, uh, in between those two big bands, Krupa and Shaw, a group that uh, Eldridge led couple of different places. This was recorded in Chicago and uh, features a group similar to the one we just heard, in fact, with a couple of similar personnel. We have uh, Eldridge, of course, on trumpet. His brother, Joe Eldridge, is on alto sax and plays most of the solos with one exception. Uh, we're going to hear Andrew, Andrew Goon Gardner on alto sax. He figures into a, a story about Charlie Parker. Uh, he apparently lent Charlie Parker a clarinet at one point that was never returned, and uh, that's made it into some of the bird lore of the The years. There are two uh, Chicago based tenor players, Ike Quebec and Tom Archia. Ike Quebec was an excellent uh, swing and bebop player. He was kind of a transitional figure and this was his first recording date. Tom Archer was more of a bebop player. He was right at the beginning of his career as well. We'll hear a little bit of him. Roselle Gale is on piano, Ted Sturgis on bass and Harold Doc West on drums. And these were done uh, for World Transcriptions in uh, November of 1943. Um, World Transcriptions was owned by the Decca Company and sometimes these Uh, groups that recorded for DECA would then go in and re-record for world transcriptions. I don't believe Eldridge was recording uh, commercially for DECA at the time, he was just doing these. And these transcriptions would have been used for radio broadcasts, uh, for incidental music, music to fill in gaps, things like that. And uh, we're very fortunate to have them, they survived and uh, uh, they often give us a very clear picture of what groups, both black and white groups from the 1930s and 40s sounded like. The sound quality is usually better than commercial recordings, sometimes the time uh, element is not an issue, so players uh, could stretch out a little bit more, and um, they were usually not uh, required to play any particular songs. So the tunes that we're gonna hear from this session are After You've Gone, and we're going to hear the Gene Krupa version, the big band version cut down to the small group featuring uh, kind of a concerto type of performance by uh, Eldridge, a little comedy at the beginning and some very fast fingering and some uh, lightning articulation as well. After that we're going to hear a blues called Jump Through the Window, a beautiful ballad performance of Stardust, and we're going to end up with a, an Eldridge feature based on the changes of Sweet Georgia Brown that he called The Gasser. So after you've gone, jump through the window, Stardust and the Gasser. Are some very interesting uh, small group swing sessions from 1943 in Chicago. We started out with After You've Gone, uh, a feature with Eldridge, uh, or for Eldridge, with the Gene Krupa band. Uh, basically the same arrangement. Uh, in the middle there, instead of a clarinet solo, which I think was on the original recording, we had a split chorus between Joe Eldridge on alto sax and I think Tom Archa on tenor sax. He yeah. had uh more of a bluesy sound than i quebec did uh then we went to jump through the window uh a, a interesting blues uh tune that featured as i said goon gardner on alto sax looking forward to the bebop era and also a little tom Archer as well we heard some piano from roselle um, gale and of course uh trumpet by roy eldridge and it was all roy on the one chorus ballad performance of stardust it was so slow it took about two and a half minutes to get through that one chorus, but it really showed uh, great control and form and, and leaps into the stratosphere, which was part of Eldridge's uh, style at that point, really, at any point in his career. He was known as a battler. He would uh, uh, take on any and all comers. He, he, he didn't want anyone playing higher, faster, louder than he did, and he, uh, he, he got a reputation for being quite combative in uh, jam sessions and things like that. Then we ended up with The Gasser, a uh, take on Sweet Georgia Brown, where Eldridge started out uh, just playing uh, muted trumpet with a bass, something called uh, strolling, and the bass player was Ted Sturgis there, Uh, and they got into it for a couple of choruses, and then we heard definitely from Ike Quebec on tenor sax, much smoother sound on tenor at that point. And uh, Roy came back uh, with his big open sound with that hard to describe it wasn't a growly sound but it's a very personal jazz sound that he had with a real edge to it that wasn't an unpleasant edge it was just a, a fiery edge I guess is the way to put that and he had a uh, uh, great character in his sound and his playing for his whole career so as i said uh, after um, leaving uh, the Shaw band in 1944 he went out on his own he started playing with the Uh, Norman Grand's Jazz at the Philharmonic concerts. He toured with uh, Coleman Hawkins in a a kind of a duo swing act from the 1950s. They uh, had a a very successful band playing jazz festivals and and clubs for a while, made several great albums. He also toured as an accompanist with Ella Fitzgerald's trio. He would be featured on some numbers during the evening and play behind her as well, and that lasted for a few years. Uh, And then he led the band at Jimmy Ryan's Cafe in New York for uh, quite a while. That was not playing that was really something up his alley. He was definitely a swing player, and that was a straight Dixieland for the tourists type of gig, and he made a couple of albums with that group. He uh, did a serviceable job, and he was a good band leader and very entertaining on stage and sang and all that, Uh, but uh, that was probably not the high point of his career, in his opinion. Uh, Throughout the 1970s, he was still recording for Pablo Records and uh, made some excellent late period recordings. In 1980, he had to retire after a heart attack. He couldn't play trumpet anymore, but he would still appear on bands stands and sing occasionally. And uh, he lived until, as I said, about 1989. So we're going to go back to that band that he had in 1939 at the Arcadia Ballroom in Chicago. And that's how we're going to end the program. This is a a neat group that uh, really had a lot of fire to it. There's a whole album that came out on a CD of air checks of this band. These were all done pretty much in the fall of 1939, uh, August and uh, September especially, and there's there are no ballads here. These are all up-tempo, shouting performances. This was a very energetic band. And we're going to hear in this band some very fine performers. Again, mostly Chicago musicians. Uh, Eldridge obviously felt very at home in Chicago and kept returning there to uh, maintain his contacts. He does all the trumpet solos and we will hear a vocal on the way as well. Robert Williams plays second trumpet. He may play some of the lead parts in there. Eli Robinson plays trombone. Uh, Roy's brother Joe is back on alto sax. He'll play all of the alto sax solos. Uh, There are two tenor sax solos. Franz Jackson, who was a well-known Chicago player who lived uh, well into his 90s, was playing uh, a lot of swing and Dixieland and New Orleans-style jazz. He actually put together an excellent New Orleans-style jazz band in the 1950s, utilizing some older players like Bob Schaffner and and, uh, players who had been active in the 1920s. and uh, had several great albums with them. But at this period, in 1939-40, he was definitely a swing tenor player and also an arranger and composer. He had been playing with, uh, or he was to go on to play with Earl Hines Band and arranged uh, quite a few things for him and uh, was very well known as a tenor player. Later on, he became better known as a clarinet player. The clarinet solos here are done by an old timer named Prince Robinson. Prince Robinson was an African American tenor player who was really one of the few saxophone players, tenor saxophone players in the 1920s who's playing could be favorably compared to Coleman Hawkins in any way. He was a featured member of McKinney's Cotton Pickers, ended up in New York in the late 1920s and played with a number of New York bands. He played some clarinet then but uh, his clarinet chops had improved greatly by 1939 and he uh, takes some excellent clarinet solos on these recordings. On piano we have a man named Clyde Hart who was a particularly interesting transitional figure from swing to bop. Uh, He died in about 1944 after making Uh, several really um, important early recording sessions with the bebop musicians with Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker and uh, some of the other players in that style and he was probably poised to be the main bebop piano player when he passed away uh, very suddenly and uh, not too long after his last recording date. We have John Collins back on guitar. Ted Sturgis again on bass, and a very young Panama Francis on drums. And Panama Francis went on to lead swing bands for the rest of his life. He re, uh, reunited the Savoy Sultans, which was a, uh, an eight or nine piece swing group that he uh, kept going all through the 1970s and 80s. And you can hear his very swingy, forceful drumming on these sessions uh there's a singer involved here laurel watson she's not going to be on any of the tracks that we play but she uh recorded some of the uh, uh, pop numbers as well with this group so the four numbers that i have picked uh don't have a lot of downtime as i said so strap yourself in and listen to these four great recordings by roy aldridge and his orchestra we're going to hear the Uh, Louis Armstrong tune, Mahogany Hall Stomp. You can tell that Louis Armstrong uh, played a big role in uh, Roy Eldridge's life in terms of his early style but also his repertoire choice. Then we're going to hear a Franz Jackson tune called Yellow Fire, following up with the St. Louis Blues featuring a Roy Eldridge vocal. And then Minor Jive, which is a tune that Eldridge recorded several times with several of his different groups. It's a a minor tune based on basically just one chord, an ostinato, uh, the same way that Louis Armstrong did King of the Zulus in the 1920s, just blowing over one static chord change, and that was something that uh, became much better uh, explored in jazz in the 1950s and 60s, but Roy Eldridge was doing this uh, consistently on his gigs in the 1930s and 40s. So that is uh, the band. We have uh, those four tunes, Mahogany Hall, Stomp, Yellow Fire, St. Louis Blues, and Minor Jive with Roy Eldridge and his orchestra, which was a 10-piece band uh, recorded live at the Arcadia Ballroom in the fall of 1939. (laughs) Thank you.
1: My cat got a heart like a that deep. Oh, but I don't see my soul, baby, trying to me. Now, baby my water, my feet been down. Uh-huh. Don't babe, been my, water, my been hollowed uh-huh. out. Now, now, these women are down to cheat me like a load on down. Uh-huh. Now, my, my cat got feet like ladders on the sea. Uh-huh. Don't babe, my cat got like ladders on the sea. Uh-huh. Now, every time you look around, he's spitting a just at me. taking
0: didn't get your blood boiling I don't know what will that must have been a fantastic band to have heard in person uh the Roy Eldridge Orchestra at the Arcadia Ballroom in the fall of 1939 and we heard some excellent alto solos by Joe Eldridge Um, Some fine piano by Clyde Hart in there as well. Kicking it along was Panama Francis on drums. And I'm assuming that it was Franz Jackson on tenor and Prince Robinson on clarinet. Prince Robinson really was a fine clarinet player at that point. He is given more solo space on Mahogany Hall Stomp, which was our first tune in that set, than Eldridge was. And then he certainly did a beautiful job on St. Louis Blues as well. I'm less sure on Yellow Fire, since that was Franz Jackson's tune, I'm wondering if that might have been him on clarinet. It didn't quite sound like the same person. There was a very short tenor solo on there that didn't really sound like the other tenor players either, so they may have switched for that particular tune. So we heard Mahogany Hall Stomp, Yellow Fire, St. Louis Blues featuring a Roy Eldridge vocal, and the minor jive. All very intense performances. So I hope you've enjoyed this program on uh, some probably not terribly well-known Roy Eldridge recordings under his own name, mostly 1937, 38, 39, and 1943, mostly done in Chicago or at least with Chicago musicians and uh, some very fine playing by Eldridge and the musicians he surrounded himself with. So you've been listening to The Jazz Focus here on Anchor.fm and Spotify, wherever you may be listening to me. Hopefully you're enjoying these programs as much as I'm enjoying making them. I'm having a wonderful time revisiting some music I haven't listened to in a very long time. If you have any requests for programs, please let me know. Uh, You can check out my uh, Instagram and Facebook pages under my band name, Wolverine Jazz Band and uh, send me an email that way and that's a good way of getting a hold of me also if you'd like to be a sponsor there's a sponsorship button on this podcast we'd love to get some sponsors to encourage us to make some more uh, of these as we go along I've been trying to do one a week or so and plus having my uh, radio shows on WETF uh, sort of sourced over here after their uh, broadcast on uh, that station so I have quite a bit to listen to right now as of this one I think we're up to about 30 on Hopefully we'll have lots more to come. So once again, my name is John Clark. You're listening to Jazz Focus. Hope you're enjoying these programs, and I'll see you on the other side.